0: From the pages of the DRaysBay.com blog, welcome to The Hit Show. Hello and welcome back to The Hit Show. My name is Danny Russell. I am joined, as always, by Darby Robinson. Hey, Darby. Hello, Danny. It is evening on May 14th, which is a Sunday, slightly earlier than we've been recording, but advantageous because level setting on the Major League standings is a little bit easier. So the Yankees have taken the division lead in the AL East. They have 22 wins, but they've only played 34 games. So the 22-win Orioles are uh, technically one game back. Uh, They've played two more games, and both of those are losses. It's confusing right now because weather is terrible. And the Rays were beneficiaries of terrible weather this weekend in Boston and let me tell you as someone who lives in Boston it has been the pits
1: well as somebody that lives in Washington state um i don't know what sun is
0: so i'm pretty sure seattle just decided to come to the east coast walking outside right now is just kind of walking through clouds not that fun like oh it's kind of foggy outside cloud but the Oh, I will not be able to use my glasses today. This is a, a really unfortunate situation kind of cloud. And I don't know why the Rays and Red Sox decided to play today. It ended up being the longest nine inning game in Tampa Bay history. It was yeah. it was a little more than four and a half hours.
1: Sa- sounds just like a very fun game to sit in the cold stands in Boston and Fenway to just endure.
0: I'm sure the attendance made uh, the Tropicana audience look uh, top-notch. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was able to go to yesterday's game, uh, which was a 7 p.m. game, and they moved it up to 1 o'clock, and that was freezing as well. It is May, and it is 45 degrees, and we were on the top deck of Fenway, which actually was a very nice view. Um, it, it, it was just cold.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's – um. It it looked it looked frigid on the television and uh, watching Kevin Kiermaier run around basically in a blanket, uh, <laughs> uh, which was the uniform equivalent of a giant snuggie, basically, I think he got. Um, still looks smooth out there. So, you know, maybe some cold was helping him out.
0: Yeah, Tim Beckham was uh, rocking the hoodie underneath the jersey today, I saw. So that was, uh, I mean, I, I don't know why I wouldn't do it more often. I would be rocking that all the time. Um, Joe Madden style. So uh, to finish the level set, um, the win totals, if you go through the division, are 22, 22, 19, 19, 17. That 17 is Toronto. They are still at the bottom. Tampa Bay only counts as one game better, and they have two more wins. It's confusing. I don't know. I think games back is a a silly thing to do. Uh, What's amazing, though, and I will dive into this just briefly, Run differential, runs scored versus runs allowed. Uh, Toronto has a negative run differential. The rest of the A.L. East are positives. Uh, the Rays have a 13-run positive. Uh, Boston, uh, who is 19 and 18, the Rays are 19 and 21. Same win total. The Rays have played three more games because they play in a dome, uh, and and they they have that benefit. Boston has a slightly Worse run differential at six runs more uh, scored than allowed over the course of the season so far. Baltimore is at 10. That's about on line with the Rays. The Yankees have a 56 run scored over runs allowed. That is their differential. 56 is a really big number at this point in the season. I am flabbergasted. The only teams uh, close to that are uh, so the Nationals have 53 and the Dodgers have. Have 55, but the Dodgers are actually second in the National League West to the Rockies. Baseball is a weird sport. That's my point.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, but the the also the good takeaway there it is a weird sport, and the Rays are close enough that weird stuff could actually happen. And who knows? Uh, can benefit the Rays. So basically, you st- in in baseball, it's just good to like stick around. Keep close and then wait for weird waves of, of stuff to happen. And, you know, maybe you're, you're like the Rangers who uh, had a, I think their, what was their run differential last year was like, like one, it was like exactly the same or like slightly under. And right. they had like 96 wins. So, yeah, stick around and baseball will do weird stuff. You know, Game of Inches, all that, all that fun jazz.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of a weird week as well, Tampa Bay fired James Comey, and I don't wait. No, no, no. Hold on, I, I screwed that up.
1: Pretty, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, they they optioned uh, James Comey to Durham, and uh, <laughs> and Blake Snell is now the FBI director. So that's cool. Good job, Blake. It's he's a little young. Everybody um,
0: wins. You know, if you were to yeah. write up James Comey's uh, profile, what is he? Six eight. I'm pretty sure yeah, he you could pitch.
1: Yeah, I feel like a Mark Hendrickson. If he, if he was a lefty, he would be in our pen
0: right now. He, we would have I hear he has up. a knuckleball. He, James Comey has a great knuckleball, and that's really all you need. So, Blake Snell, uh, the Rays star lefty, king of Snell Isle, is going back to Durham.
1: Very shocking move, I think. I think everybody, um, not necessarily in terms of, like, if you just look at the numbers, uh, not necessarily surprising, but I don't think anybody really expected uh, Blake Snell to get options at all this year. I thought, you know, with, with the way the Rays operate, generally once you're called up, you're up and um, kind of work through some stuff. I mean, David Price had to work through some stuff early on. Jeremy Hellickson, Jeff Neiman, uh, Matt Moore. I mean, uh, he... They all had their own struggles in the in the majors um, but they kind of worked through it they the Rays sort of had a, an, a kind of very standard operating procedure when it came to young pitchers um, so this this absolutely uh, I think took us all by absolute surprise and um, yeah it was it was a, a shocking shocking um, shocking moment that's a three shockings that's how shocking it is <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean when I wrote it up briefly I was like, So Tampa Bay did the unthinkable. This is just so against the MO. It makes sense when you holistically think of baseball in the way that teams normally go about their business. If you have a young starter who's struggling and they're struggling on the you know, on the world stage up at the show, if they can't hold their own against the Red Sox and they just fall apart after four innings and you give a game away, well, then, you know, going back to Durham to figure out your delivery does seem like the right thing to do. That is his issue. I mean, uh, the best quote that I've seen from the team is he knows the issues that he needs to work on, which is just not helpful. We all know it's his delivery. What are his hands doing? What are his legs doing? How is he striding? in his, his pitching movement uh, or his hands creating too much noise when he lifts them up in the air, puts them behind his head, brings them back down again. It's not deception. It's just distraction. And, and he, he has just things to work out, and it's hard to do that when you're facing the Red Sox or whoever it might be. So it made sense to send to Durham, but like you're saying, this is just not what the Rays usually do. What I did not appreciate is the immediate stories that come out like, man, he came into his second year in spring training, not really trying as hard because his job was guaranteed. Oh, Blake Snell plays on his iPad. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about these, you know, let's trash talk him on his way to the Durham shuttle. Like that is just the wrong, if, if, the, if he had an attitude problem, I don't see how putting it in the press fixes Blake Snell's attitude problem it's the same death spiral that leads to things like Desmond Jennings never talking to the press ever again. It's you're just garnering a negative reaction from a young pitcher who is trying to be better.
1: And and it's a it's red meat for the fans who already play um armchair psychologist um for players that you know really the problem that you know the what what's wrong with them is they're not trying hard enough, or they were given their job and they didn't. You know, the idea of competition is, I think, one of the most overrated things that fans consider possibly a fix-all. Is that if you are a player and you do not do well, it was because you didn't have a better player behind you to push you. Uh, mm. I, I think that is an absolutely laughable thing. I think for maybe maybe some players, there's a complacency, maybe. But for the most part, uh, you're a professional athlete. You've had to work harder than 99.9% of the human race to get to where you're at. Um, I don't really think having, a, another guy behind you is necessarily like, uh, you're like, Oh, I'm worried now I'm going to lose my job because you know, the Rays signed this other guy. I don't think that's really the case. I think we play these psychology games um, without degrees, without knowing actually how these players are interacting behind the scenes. And we look for easy solutions to complex problems. Um, and I think you're you know dead on. The Rays know what's wrong with Blake Snell, and I don't think it's playing on his iPad. Um, I'm pretty sure you know,
0: (laughs) there's, there's a lot of birds. It's all, all yeah, we're going to just flappy bird. What was the one that was a problem?
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) well, flappy bird had the, um, I think creator had like a meltdown, but, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things like Blake Snell's issue isn't that he, he, he doesn't, uh, smile enough or he, he shrugs off answers. It's because he, has a noisy delivery. He isn't repeating his delivery. His timing is off. And he tends to to lose command. Maybe he needs to be more aggressive early in the count. Um, These are all things that you can work on. Uh, I think the uh, concept of, you know, he he needs to take baseball more seriously. You know, some players, they absolutely shouldn't. Um, I think for one thing, I've I've said this Mm -hmm. a lot, is a guy like Steven Souza, who, Man, so many players, so many fans have ridiculed Stephen Souza for not trying hard enough, who he doesn't look like he cares when he strikes out. All of these things which are absolutely abjectly false. If anything Stephen Souza's issue is he should probably play on his iPad some more. Actually, he should take Blake Snell's iPad because he he tries way too hard. He goes way too hard at at in the field. He will carry over a strikeout. That was his, you know, career so far was he would strike out and then that would, you know, he'd get a bad call and then he would be ruined for the rest of the game because he would be, he'd be in his own head and he would be just absolutely beating himself up over it for the next four or five innings. So players, every player is different. Their psychology is different. How they interact is different. Um, And yeah, I'm just, I disagree with you. The whole idea of, you know, taking like random pot shots at a guy, Um, it just, it just feeds into the fans basically, um, and and his critics just to always sort of have these weird little things that can, they can try to attack him with. And it's, uh, it's a bunch of paper cuts, uh, to a guy that like, you know, Blake Snell didn't forget how to pitch. Um, he, he has amazing stuff and he's going to get back to the major leagues sooner rather than later. So maybe let's not, um, try to throw too much mud on a guy that's going to be back up with this club uh, and pitching for potentially five years. Um, Let's let's Uh let him kind of work on his issues. This was a big shock, but I don't think it was taken lightly by the team. I think they're not saying that, you know, this guy is done. I think they're saying, Hey, let's uh, let's maybe this is the better way to um, fix what ails him and uh, I, I trust in like the opinions of somebody like Jim Hickey. He's has enough track record to know how pitchers work, their psychology, their bodies. Uh, if if he's cool with it, then I think this team knows what they're doing with pitchers. So even if this is something different, uh, I'm I'm game to to try this out.
0: Yeah, he signed through 2022 on the strength of that rookie deal. This is not someone this is a long-term investment and you need to treat Blake Snell like a long-term investment.
1: Exactly. So um, with Snell leaving, that is the big shock. But uh, what was kind of a equally shocking, but really exciting counter move or um, I guess corresponding move, I should say uh, was Blake Snell going down and Ryan Stanek coming up the the flame-throwing, uh, long-blonde-locked righty uh, is hmm. now a member of the Rays. And he actually got some action in today. Yeah, that was
0: pretty exciting. So how many fastballs did you count that were triple-digit? Was it five? He hit
1: five at 100. Um, and I counted three more that were at 99. So, Which is just bonkers. I yeah, mean, he, so, so Kevin
0: him. Cash said uh, we're bringing him up. Kudos to the Rays um, who flew him into Connecticut and then had him drive the rest of the way because Boston Logan was shut down from all this weird rain. And uh, so they they bring him into his first game. Before the game, Kevin Cash said, hey, we're super glad that he was able to make it here. Um, we're not going to mollycoddle him. We're going to, you know, uh, we're going to just, like, put him in and see how it goes. Whatever that – I don't know what Kevin Cash is insinuating, but – He definitely got put in in a high-leverage situation uh, right away. Eighth inning, one out in the eighth, uh, man on first. And I think his first batter was Chris Young. And uh, he was not getting calls, if we're being honest. Uh, uh, Sweet Jesus Sucre was able to steal um, uh, a strike, uh, what would have been the third ball in a row when he was painting the black. He was able to steal that one first strike. So that was helpful it was, it it was actually going to be
1: fourth fourth ball.
0: Was that the fourth? Uh, it was going to be the a four, Yeah, he was three zero and he got a
1: got a low strike. Uh, yeah, so yeah. good job, Sucre.
0: I mean, that's what he's there for. And then uh, it was a hard line out to Kevin Kiermeyer, and then that was followed with a, a liner up the middle. So we saw two uh, <laughs> two moments of contact in his first two major league plate appearances or, or, or batters faced. And both of them went right up the middle. That's not a strong uh, result, if we're being honest.
1: No, no. And he didn't walk anybody, but he, you know, like we said, he just came really close uh, to a 4 pitch walk to to start Mm -hmm. his um, Major League career. Uh, Yeah, so here's the thing with Ryan Stanek. Uh, He's very exciting, because if you throw 100, you're going to get a lot of chances, and you're going to— People are going to watch people. That's that's the type of sound you hear hitting the glove. That's really exciting. The problem uh, with Ryan Stanek is uh, twofold. One, he's been very wild in the past. He Mm. doesn't exactly know where that fastball is going. He's gotten much better this year. He has done well this year reducing those walk rates. But it it is still um, he's not a, a command pitcher. He does have a lot of good stuff but it's not necessarily a lot of control. So command is an issue. You're
0: you're definitely right. I remember now uh, the first pitch was a fastball up and away. Second pitch was down and away. That one was 100. And that third one, it looked (laughs) just like the other two leaving his hand. And yet it almost decapitated Chris Young. I do remember this now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Chris Young uh, got a nice taste of of the afterlife as it just yeah. blasted right by him. Life flashing um,
0: before your eyes.
1: It was it was very, you know, Rick Vaughn-esque uh, from Major League. He came in, he threw the fastball, very repeated delivery, and it went to three completely different quadrants of the plate. And I don't know if Stanek knew where each one of those three were going. Uh, it didn't seem like he knew. He just seemed like he was, he was they put down the, Sucre put down the one, uh, and he, and he threw it hard and,
0: well, I mean, okay, so that's the thing too, right? So, you know, Sucre puts on the one, you fire in that first fastball, Chris Young didn't bite. And then, you know, camera zooms in on his face and, you know, I'm paying attention because the hair, right? You're looking at a, a blonde flesh colored beard and long hair and you're just like, okay, this is interesting. And he shakes off Sucre for the, for every called first, dude. What are you? What are you shaking off? It's going to be a fastball. <laughs> <just>. Sucre <Super> is <laughs> like, hey, do you do you throw a curveball? Oh wait, no, sorry, I don't. I just just trying it. Do you? What about a change? No, well, no so, but, what but it does, so, Okay, so let's talk about that. Ryan Stanick was a starter. He yes. was a 2013 first round draft pick, 29th overall. He was the second pick in that draft for the Rays. Uh, I do believe out of Arkansas, uh, he was the compens- uh, compensatory pick for B.J. Upton signing with the Braves. Um, he was a starter up until mid-year last year. He has a starter's build on him. He's got plenty of muscle. He looks like he's about to go up there and go 7, 8, 9. Uh, and instead, he's going to be featured in maybe the 7th, 8th, or 9th. So it it was a starter who's been quickly moved over into relief. But to do that, that's when you get this uh, this electric uh, fastball, this crazy heat. I mean, it's it's cool. And he could decide to drop in a cutter or a slider or something like he he has that capability I don't but I just don't believe that Sucre was calling something like in this <laughs> moment I'm just not sure it was anything other than oh my god just give me a fastball
1: it could just be Stanek wanting to shake off and just let that golden hair just intimidate Chris Young ooh that's that's, that's my there's my uh off the beaten path like thing he just wanted to shake his hair
0: that Blake Snell um, method who needs deception when you've got distraction Exactly. So
1: so Ryan Stanek um, did come in. He threw nothing but fastballs. Uh, I think the slowest was 98. So he has easy, easy heat. This this guy just throws fast. Um, I mentioned there was two issues with Stanek. So command is one Uh, The other and potentially so command with guys that throw 100. uh, You want, you know, guys that come in from the pen and they don't walk people. But if you throw 100, eh, it will give you a lot of chances because batters will swing at stuff because they're just terrified. The thing that might derail, if Stanek is not a major league pitcher, this is why. And it's going to be his very, very, very flat fastball. It is Uh a country road in Kansas. It is straight, and it just does not move at all. And so 100 is nice, but these are major league hitters. Um, The worst of them can still uh, tee off on a 100-mile-an-hour fastball running straight at them. Uh, if he's so, seen seven
0: of them, absolutely, too. That's the other <laughs> hard part.
1: That's that's the other thing, yeah. So he uh, – now, I'm not – I don't want to throw too much cold water on, on Ryan Stanek because he – you know, that fastball did look as electric as,
0: as advertised. <laughs> the, the rain was doing that enough today.
1: <laughs> oh, too. There you go. That's a good point. Uh, but, yeah, he uh, – it's it's very flat. And so without movement, um, I do worry. He, he's been one of the uh, young pitchers of the – so many young pitchers at the Rays have, and we're going to talk about a few of them uh, coming up uh, in the second half of the show. But the he's probably my most um, and I don't want to say least exciting, but he's he's the guy I worry about the most um, okay. just because I 100 mile an hour fastball is exciting. It's sexy, but it, it's so flat and it's so just straight ahead. And with bad command that that's a really scary combo to me. Um, whereas you have a guy kind of his opposite who will, who will see time in the bullpen this year, Jamie Schultz, who has a 95 mile an hour fastball, but he's got better command a little bit more movement. Um, Mm -hmm. that a little bit of movement on a 95 is much harder to hit than a, hundred mile an hour one coming straight at you. So that's, that's my cold water, uh, on the Ryan Stanek debut,
0: um, yeah, yeah and when we get it back to it. spring training, uh, it was uh, Austin Pruitt, Jamie Schultz, and Diego Moreno were the three relief pitchers impressing. Austin Pruitt is back in Durham. Jamie Schultz, we have not seen him yet because he's been injured. And Diego Moreno uh, also went to bed when he came up instead of Austin Pruitt. So it's not like, you know, we're, we're promoting guys from A to come up. Uh, we're bringing up Ryan Stanek too early, and it's a little bit of let's see what sticks. With the Ra- I mean, we're throwing it at the wall. You know, we're testing that spaghetti. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's not an ideal situation, but the Rays are also fourth in division and treading water. So they're just trying you to gotta do whatever try they can,
1: and we yeah, can't spend every it,
0: podcast yeah. saying, "Okay, all four of our setup men are hurt." But it's true. Tommy Hunter is on his way back. Um, you know, he's testing out that calf. He's he's you know throwing off a mound, I believe, now this week. So, uh, you know, good news is on the way. We uh, let's let's jump off of that and briefly touch on Kevin Kiermaier. So, okay. we talked last week about Kiermaier. You know, maybe maybe not having the yips uh he was uh he was struggling defensively ground balls going through him he's had a few more games since then uh in boston in terrible weather in the triangle which is you know might as well be bermuda and i don't have big complaints you know uh, uh the narrative did not follow on the road trip so far and I maybe I'm, there could be an element of this is I went to the game on Saturday and I walked around. And what, what I love about these really good vantage point uh, areas of Fenway Park, we, like I said, we were on the third baseline. Uh, I don't know if I said that actually uh, on the recording, but uh, we were on the third baseline. We we're on the top deck, a little bit of a wind tunnel, amazing view. And all of these, you know, seasoned sea dogs of old men who are retired <laughs> who who might live all the way in you know a craggy rock in new hampshire who drive down for like 70 games a year to usher which literally means wear this jacket and make sure nobody steps over their seats and instead uses the you know the stairs it's it's a very straightforward simple job in like the corporate seats like the uh, you know there's a couple boxes over here it was me and my wife and another couple like we were just kind of like in an, in that area uh, and I walked around and I talked to a few of these guys and I said you know how do you how do you feel about Tampa Bay because I, I have a raised jacket on my I have one of those bullpen rain proof jackets uh, which was a great present for my wife many years ago and I would ask him you know specifically what do you think of Kevin Kiermaier? because he's had a couple mistakes and without fail every single one of these you know, bleeds red, socks. Ah, salty dudes, right? Every single one of them is like, oh, he's the best. You've got nothing to worry about. These guys watch Jackie Bradley Jr., who is, by the way, the second most veteran player on the Red Sox. Justin Pedroia is the only guy who's been there longer. That's a weird thought. Dustin Pedroia, <laughs> than Jackie Bradley Jr. They've been watching a good center fielder, though, for a while, and they're all saying like look Kevin Kiermaier is the best you have absolutely nothing to worry about and it just kind of was cleansing for the soul maybe it was also the rain that was coming down on saturday but i i felt okay about it do you feel okay about kiermaier i don't, i wanted to get your vibe as well we didn't we didn't prep for this section but i wanted to ask
1: yeah no i it it's it's so tough because we kind of mentioned this briefly in the last podcast and he's actually had some more mistakes since then um but yeah, he. Uh, it's always very troubling to see a player like Kevin Kiermeyer make any mistakes, let alone several in a row in a series, um, especially huge bad mistakes that that just you know cost runs. And he had he's given up two inside the park home runs
0: on. Yep, you're on, on the front page of Deadspin. Good job, buddy.
1: Bad errors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not worried. I think the rational side of my brain is not worried at all because weird. Weird shit happens. That's that's just the way. That's the that's called that's basically. You could also be the subtitle of baseball as a sport. Uh, we talked about that at the beginning. This is a very random sport that does random things, and the very best player, the very best defensive player in the world, can look like a little league player with a weird bounce. Um, so on the season, there's really only four really bad plays that Kevin Kiermaier has made one was a missed catch that he just kind of whipped on the ball kind of knuckled away from him that happens uh two have been on ground balls on the new turf in the trop that is a potential you know issue there but you know hey that's new turf Blah blah blah, And then another one was a weird bounce on that new turf that went over his head because he charged it. He's very aggressive. So a lot of these are errors by being an aggressive player who's just going to try to get to balls that nobody else would uh, and maybe overrun it, maybe get into a position where just one weird bounce goes away. That's a long roundabout way of saying I'm not worried. Uh, the rational side of me, the emotional side of me is, oh, my God, he's broken. The world is over. The lightest one yeah. out of my life, um, but it's that's where you, I do like your uh, your anecdote about the old salty ushers in Fenway because you know what they'll cut they'll cut to the chase they they they're not going to like mince mince words and yeah I think sometimes as fans of a team we get so insulated into our team that we see these guys and we don't really think about you know. Any mistake is like, oh, my God, this mistake, like this, this what has happened to him when you really got to put in perspective, like how many misplays has like Kevin Pillar made and how and Jackie Bradley Jr. And and Mookie Betts and, and you know, Mike Trout, I've seen Mike Trout miss miss a catch. It can Mm -hmm. happen. And he's Mike Trout. He's potentially one of the five best baseball players by the time it's all said and done. Um, So, yeah, it. It happens, but when you see it to your team, it, it is easy to mic, uh, kind of um, magnify it. So sometimes that perspective from other fans uh, can can help. So not worried, but uh, yeah, definitely good to see Kiermaier in really bad conditions make some really good plays because it reminds us that, oh, yeah, yeah. this guy is the two-time Gold Glove winning center fielder, and he's going to probably add Uh, another half dozen of those by the time his career is all done. So Mm -hmm. we should, yeah, he'll be fine
0: overall. You know, and he's had a good week uh, when it comes to offense as well. And I think uh, just good performance in general will beget more good performance. Um, Over his last seven days, let's see, he has 23 plate appearances. Three of those are walks, six hits, a double and a home run. Uh, you know, and a handful of ribbies. What that ultimately means is, you know, forty percent above average for the league. You know, he had a good week, and uh, w- one good week hopefully means more good weeks because his last two weeks is uh, you know twenty five percent below average. So that's a big swing uh, because that includes this week. The last two weeks combined is twenty five percent below average. This week is forty two percent above. So. He's had a very good week. He's performing way better than uh, you know the normal player would on offense. Uh, hopefully that hot hitting continues. The other hot hitters, um, we we do. Uh, if we're going to talk hot hitters, uh, you mentioned Steven Souza earlier on the season. He has a one twenty nine weighted runs creation plus. That's thirty percent above average. Basically, he uh, uh, he does take things way too seriously, and I'm reminded of that whole uh, iPad issue with Blake Snell or whatever. The best thing that happened for Sousa, it seems like, is getting married, having a kid. Because he no longer has the time to dwell on all of the nonsense. And he just has to like show up and do his job. That's been good for him. People performing even better than him so far. Uh, Logan Morrison... Adam Sanford on the site had a great article this week saying, "Hey, let's talk about Chris Carter, the guy's that, mm-hmm. that everyone wanted us to sign that the Brewers cut the uh new forward thinking uh savvy front office Brewers who actually picked up a raised uh front office member Matt Arnold. Uh the Brewers cut Chris Carter. He went to uh the Yankees and he is playing abysmally. Well, meanwhile, that 137 that Logan Morrison has on the season right now is actually what he's had over the last calendar year. Logan Morrison was good last year, continues to be good this year, and, you know, as as my mother likes to say, hindsight is 50-50. But so far, <laughs> Logan Morrison's pretty good. And even better than that, the best hitter on the Tampa Bay Rays, God bless it, Corey, big and Dickerson. He has been so... Good this year, 158, 58% above average, a 392 Woba, if uh, on-base average is uh, your thing. But his slash line, 326, 376, 551. That is a stellar 225 ISO. Uh, Logan Morrison's the only one on the team with one better at 286. Our first baseman and our DH slash left fielder are doing work. That is classic. And that is so good to see. Corey Dickerson makes me so gosh darn happy all the time. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm really, you know, he, uh, I'm just glad that he's doing well. Let's, What's, uh, I mean, go we're going to, we're
1: going to transition here, but yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah. like, kind of say with Corey Dickerson, he, you know, he, we, or he's trimmed down, he's come in, uh, he's taken on a new role of being a leadoff guy for against righties. Uh, Man, oh, man, is he exciting. I I, I can't possibly physically match uh, Danny's excitement, but I am right there with him. It's a nice, you know, just below. Uh, but, yeah, no, he's, he's doing great. His walk rate is uh, pretty much the same as last year. He's cut down his strikeouts a little bit, making a little bit more contact. Um, plenty of power. So, yeah, this Corey Dickerson, this is the player that um, we saw with the Rockies, but he... He's added some interesting speed elements to his game too. Um, he's an awesome player, and uh, he's. we I'm really happy to have him. Uh, so yeah, he's he's doing great. And Logan Morrison, he has what ten home runs. Chris Carter still has one, mm. one home run. Mm. Um, and he plays in Yankee Stadium, new Yankee Stadium, which um, a slight breeze on a bunt, and you know it gets to the warning track. So. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe people knew what they were talking about when it came comes to the Brewers, who have now have a much smarter front office. Um, yeah, maybe they, you know, there are some interesting situations there. So, yeah, we are going to transition. Those are really exciting guys that we have right now. Let's talk about some really exciting guys
0: that we're going to have down the road. Yes, what a really fun surprise this week! Baseball America decided. Hey, our top 100, we're just going to update that a little early. Uh, norm, I, don't, I don't think it's typical. I don't remember a, an early May reset coming. I normally look for that in June. Um, now, maybe I'm just being uh, uh, ignorant, and it always comes out at the beginning of May. But I was very pleasantly surprised by this. And the Rays now have six guys in the top 100, which is crazy good. And it starts all the way up in the top 10. So, Willie Adamas... Our Willie Adamas that we have known forever is going to be one of the best prospects in baseball when you know the Rays fans are saying he's a top 50 guy when no one believes us. I was saying this season, I do not see how Willie Adamas is that different from Ahmed Rosario. Ahmed Rosario, shortstop for the Mets. Uh, he's got a fine profile. Maybe because he's skinnier, he's a little quicker on the base pass than Willie Adamas is. That's fine. But Willie Adamas also can compensate with intangibles. Every single team, every single person that Willie Adamas talks to, including some of our own writers who have met him in person, he is just the warmest, friendliest, you know, captain of the team, here to contribute, here to play the game. Everybody loves him. Uh, Clubhouse, X-factor kind of guy. He's got all the intangibles that don't measure on a prospect grade. And you're going to sit here and tell me that Willie Adamas is the 20th best prospect in baseball when Ahmed Rosario is the fifth. It made no sense to me because everything else about their games lined up as shortstops. I did not see a big difference. Here's the good news. My rant is Willie Adamas is now seventh on the top 100. Ahmed Rosario is fifth. I'll take it.
1: Uh, so just to like kind of uh, even tie into that, so, Throw some numbers in. Uh Ahmed Rosario has been in the minors, uh since 2013, eight seasons. Willie Adamas, um also 2013, he's been there one, two, three, four, five, six seasons, um, different levels. Uh Rosario's kind of done a couple of different seasons in different levels. Um, so pretty much the same time frame. Uh very similar amount of games. Uh Damas actually has a little bit more, but uh pretty similar. Adamus has 26 home runs to uh, Rosario's tw- 12. Uh, Adamus has 32 triples compared to Rosario's 29. And Adamus has 94 doubles to, compared to Rosario's 73. Now combine that with pretty equal defense, that ne- those nice uh, intangibles that Danny's talking about, Adamus is a very very, very exciting guy. I think he came from a an angle that was a little bit more surprising. So his he's having to rise a little bit more. And I think that does tend to, you know, maybe slow your rise a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Adamus right now, you're talking, you know, top 10 in baseball. So you can kind of mix around a lot of these guys. If you're not like one or two, if you're between like three and 10, a lot of, you know, kind of depending upon what positions you like more, kind of different, pro, you know, different. You're talking about all exciting guys that are about 20 to 22 and some of the very, very best prospects in all of the game. And uh, yeah, Adamus is right there, number seven. And it's it's been one of those exciting things watching him, his slow rise. He was kind of the guy that a lot of uh, a lot of us, when we traded David Price, we were like, "Who is Willie Adamus? Who is Willie Adams?" Mm-hmm. I think is probably what we said. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the Rays were like banging the table, saying, "No, this guy is awesome. He is going to be great." And every year, he has proven, wow, he is pretty awesome. Uh, And he's just gotten better and better.
0: You know, if you think back to when that trade happened to, uh, all we knew at the time is that Drew Smiley and Nick Franklin were coming. Yes. And we were all sitting there going, that's it? Possibly the worst haul.
1: Possibly the worst, like, most deflating haul you can get for a Cy Young winner.
0: Right. It was so confusing. And then uh, you know, Dave Jombrowski was still with the Tigers at the time. and late news comes out because uh, it wasn't all tied away just yet, but Willie Adamas was a shortstop. You know, some very young kid was going over from the Tiger System to the Rays system. And there was no, you know, time to spin. You know, All we had was Sean Spicer opening up the the press door and screaming. He fired James Comey and slamming it again and hiding <laughs> in his office and locking the door, right? That was the equivalent of the David Price trade in terms of announcing to the media what had happened. So when you find out, you know, some teenager named Willie Adamas also was included, it didn't make any sense. But the, the big thing that jumped out at me, and one of the things that I've always appreciated is Dave Dombrowski, who is now you know, president and running things for the Red Sox, does not lie. You can trust that if he says something to the media, at least as far as I understand and as far as I've known, you know, following him, we uh, we have a lot of friends of the site who are Tigers writers. I can verify with uh, them as well. Uh, they are all over our Slack chat. I don't know how these Tigers people get in, but whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> they're like, yeah, they just they just they just find coming
1: in. They smell tune and they're in here. Well, they're really That's big. Ter- cats, that was a terrible. Right? That's like a Danny joke right there. That
0: is terrible. The- <laughs> yeah, it kinda worked though. The Rays are a fish. So Yeah, there you I'll go. Oh, there it. you go. Ah. Big cats and fish. It works. So <laughs> or Dustin will just edit all this out. Thanks, Dustin. <laughs> no, he won't. He'll let he'll let us wiggle on the vine here. We'll do it live. So <laughs> Dave Nembrowski is like Good job by the Rays for identifying you know, we, we fought over it. We didn't want to do it. He's a future all-star. And they just kind of left it at that and moved on to something else. And I was like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. What on earth is making Dave Dombrowski say about an 18-year-old kid, Mm -hmm. this is a future all-star?
1: B.A. is, by the way, he was the uh, 30th-ranked prospect by Baseball America for the Tiger system in 2013 at the time of the trade.
0: It is an insane (laughs) find for the Rays to notice then that he was performing at a level higher than his age indicated. You know, which was a trend that we started seeing in all these uh, prospect acquisitions. Jake Bowers, who we're going to talk about. Kevin Pablo, who didn't make this list yet. But there's these guys that they target, you know, because they're performing at a level that's higher than you'd expect for a player of their age. Adamus was that way ahead of time. And, you know, good on them for their scouting, their due diligence. Who knows how long they've been following him out of uh, when he signed internationally, but point is he's here now he's a top 10 dude all of that faith that the rays put in when they acquired him as the key piece the key piece in the david price trade Mm -hmm. and dave dombrowski communicated in saying this kid is an all-star the Rays knew what they were doing he wasn't just you know showboating his own trade which i don't even know what a showboat is (laughs) but he wasn't just you know, trying to say, oh, yeah, you know, I definitely gave up full value for David Price. Good job by me. Wink. <laughs> he he seemed to really mean it. So Willie Donas is now a top ten prospect in all of baseball, which is where he should have been to start the year. And just a month into the season, it's really nice to see Baseball America kind of overcorrect and say, hey, you know what? He's pretty good. He's better than Victor Robles, who mm-hmm. is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, surrounded in just a vortex of trade rumors this offseason as a crazy good piece to give up he's better than Alex Reyes the latest and greatest Cardinals pitching prospect so it's a it's it's a proper placement i think for him on the list and it's nice to see for him to get his due
1: absolutely so um so willie domice is exciting uh, moving down the list another our other kind of huge mega prospect, um, Brent Honeywell, who mm-hmm. uh, who is absolutely, he was the 30th ranked um, prospect in all of baseball, according to Baseball America, in 2016. This year, he is now coming in at number 22.
0: Yeah, man. And uh, Baseball America guys are just absolutely blown away. Every single report on him calls him a major league pitcher. Yeah. And it's the full arsenal. It's as you could take the screwball away from Burn Honeywell. I mean, now the screwball is what makes him uh, a sexy prospect, so to speak. And also his demeanor. He's going to be one of the best media interviews you can possibly imagine. I'm so excited for him to make the majors just so he's in front of a microphone. But honest to goodness, you can take away his screwball. And he's still a qualified major league pitcher worthy of being ranked in the top you know half of prospects in baseball it's incredible
1: if if anything I do actually kind of think his the screwball that he throws which is a really exciting pitch um, just because that's just an element that batters do not see we kind of talked about it with Ryan Stanek 100 mile an hour fastball. Exciting batters have seen a hundred mile an hour fastball. Jumbo Diaz throws a ninety eight mile an hour fastball. It doesn't and, and, and his
0: nice five point five ERA tells you exactly how much it's. worth. Exactly.
1: However, a screwball that is a totally different element. That is movement that is not normal for major league hitters. So that is an element that you throw that out. You know, every now and then, uh, it it can definitely you know make, get some really ugly swings like we've seen in the minors. But I do think that screwball. Has tended to almost um, I don't know for some some I think analysts they they sort of write him off they they ignore not Baseball America obviously but uh, some other folks I've noticed reading about it they talk about his screwball like that is his like trick pitch like he's like a knuckleballer mm-hmm. like that's why he's such a good prospect he's a great prospect because he has amazing command he mixes his pitches he mixes zones he's smart as heck. He, he's just a great, great pitcher. He also happens to throw this really unique pitch that also he can throw uh, for a plus pitch. So he has multiple plus pitches. That's why he's a top um, top 50 prospect and now a top uh, 25 prospect. But I do think the fact that he throws a screwball is just this interesting anecdote that people can't, um, can't help themselves be like, you know, screwball pitcher um, Brent Honeywell when he is awesome prospect, Brent Honeywell, um, who happens to also have this awesome little pitch that will make some people swing like Bugs Bunny.
0: Right. When you get a couple baseball writers out there and they take a look, or, you know, they get a, uh, a report from a scout, the scout will turn around and say, yeah, you know, he has the screwball and he was using it as out pitch, so I'm worried that's a crutch. And he's using it as out pitch because it's a good pitch. He's not using it, as a crutch we know that he can use the changeup in the same way so he's got the stuff and i think now that he's had enough eyeballs on him for enough you know rounds enough times now he's in triple a he's getting plenty of eyeballs guys are just saying wow he's good in fact i think the baseball america quote from kyle glazer was he is really really freaking good (laughs) It's it's a very straightforward assessment This is a good pitcher, and we should see him sometime this season, which adds a little bit of that mystery element to what's going on with Blake Snell being devoted. So let's, you know, quick pause, and let's jump back in there. Blake Snell is sent down. The Rays rotation is now Chris Archer, Jake Odorizzi, Alex Cobb, who's still trying to figure out exactly who he is as a fastball, curveball guy. What's interesting, too, is according to Topkin reports, and good job by Topkin on getting this, Uh, he is throwing his split change again, that signature pitch that's taken so long for him to get a feel for again. But he's throwing it during warm-ups in between innings when he gets back out to the mound. So he's not throwing it to live hitters, but he is throwing it from the mound to his catcher. So it should be interesting to see at some point here, we're going to see more of Alex Cobb throwing his split change again. So be on the lookout for that. But then also Matt Andresi. And then that's your four and then maybe Erasmo Ramirez's number five right now. It's really confusing. You know, I'd like it to see uh, the other lefty prospect, Ryan Yarbrough, uh, because I've heard just amazing reports from people around the team that, you know, this is a major league pitcher. He's going to do well. Uh, They feel really good about that southpaw. The Rays only have one left-handed pitcher left on the roster, and it's Jose Alvarado who, you know, Catapulted from Double A up to the majors, I'm ranting to say there is <laughs> opportunity for Brent Honeywell to step up and take what is his. You know and, what I'm saying?
1: And, and he, I, I know what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Uh, and it, it, he might be the guy that comes up. It could be Yarbrough um, soon. Uh, it also could be uh, the next guy we're going to talk about, uh, number three on the of our prospects in the top 100, and that is. The guy we got from uh, the Dodgers for uh, Logan Forsyth, Jose De Leon. Um He actually is the guy that fell in baseball's uh, Baseball America's list. He was 29. Now he is down to 38. And that's, I think, mostly due to other guys kind of jumping him because he has started the season uh, injured.
0: Yeah, you know, he, he needed to go to extended spring training. He had never pitched a full season before. Uh, even though he's always kind of seemed like he has the weight on him to do it. You know, that's been a struggle. So this is a typical thing for a young pitcher to go through. Can I pitch a whole year? But, you know, coming back from the World Baseball Classic and feeling a little strained and needing to take a a slow time back, we have Jose De Leon back uh, in his rehab program. He's been throwing at the uh, Port Charlotte high A level and he's working his way back up to AAA, and I think we'll see Jose de Leon soon this season. Uh, He is a top 25-ish kind of prospect, and this list, you're right, he's 38, and that's because this is a one-month check-in, and he didn't pitch, other than the (laughs) four innings he threw for Puerto Rico. But the Rays were very, very intentional in this acquisition, and they truly believe that Jose de Leon is a starter and a long-term starter for them. So I'm not worried. He's still a top 50 Pitcher. If you want to know who's two spots below him is Lucas Giolito. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, which, you know, so if you're worried about pedigree in the f- top forty prospect range, Lucas Giolito uh, for the prospect head. He's now at the White Sox, but he has been, you know, God's gift to pitching. You know, as far as a lot of people were concerned in baseball writing.
1: So he he was one of the central pieces of a deal to get Adam Eaton, who um, now is injured, but came to the Nationals and uh, was unbelievable. He's, uh, you know, Adam Eaton's one of the best, you know, kind of outfielders defensively and and then also offensively kind of that great mix. So it took it took a big prospect haul for the White Sox to get rid of him. And Giolito was pretty much the. um, the kind of premier guy going that way. So, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, it's good company in that down range. Um,
0: also, also in that range, uh, two spots above Jose De Leon at 36 is an outfielder named Corey Ray, which, uh, has been a popular guy in the D Rays' big comment section. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And then if you step down a little bit at 49 is former Rays prospect, German Marquez, he, Uh, was a big thing for the Rays to give up in the Corey Dickerson trade. So just to revisit that ever so briefly, Corey Dickerson and Kevin Padlow, that teenager uh, sort of acquisition that the Rays went out and got, the cost of those two players was Jake McGee, or what was left of Jake McGee's contract, and prospect German Marquez. It's really nice to see the Rays turn something like an expiring contract, so to speak, of Logan Forsyth into a pitching prospect who's a little better than what German Marquez would have been in terms of these appraisals. Because Jose de Leon's up there at 38 because he's you know going through extended spring training and working into his full workload. He was previously a top 30 prospect. German Marquez sneaks in here at 49. He's pitching for the Rockies. Uh, he had a no hitter going for the Cubs a little bit uh, earlier this season, which is a flash in the pan. Jose De Leon should be, from an appraisal perspective, better. And I, I think there's an element of being able to feel good about it. But uh, you, you, I, I want to know how you feel.
1: Oh, I, I, I feel totally fine with Jose. I think he's, he's a guy that I, um, I, I think I, I rank him. You know, well, obviously, well, well below Brent Honeywell. I think he's kind of right there, actually, um, in the the Jake Faria range uh, for the Mm -hmm. Rays. I actually do like Faria a lot. I understand why prospect uh, analysts put De Leon higher. Um, He's also reached the major leagues and he's shown some really good stuff. Um, I think he's good. I think he's really good, and I think he's he has really good upside. Um, I think when you got guys like Blake Snell, who's going down and and Brent Honeywell, I think you have legit ace uh, potential. I don't think De Leon has ace potential for me, Um, but that's also, I think if he was at number two or number three, I think he could be a really, really good. Um, Obviously that's great. Um, So I like Jose Jose De Leon a lot. Um, I think he's exciting. I think it's kind of a shame he got injured, but you know, The Rays also are in a situation where they can kind of take it slow. They're obviously going to not rush anything with him. He's, you know, still 24 years old. Uh, And I think he's going to see some time pretty soon. Because I do think he's, you know, physically um, looks really good in terms of uh, the kind of body you like. He's a little bit, uh, you know, bigger guy. So that can potentially, um, you know, good good generation of power. You know, those guys like uh, Roger Clemens always had, like, good you know lower um so they're all like really weird uh, you know kind of ways like euphemisms to say he's like a little little chunkier but he's not he's he's, he's in great shape but he's a little bit bigger so he can generate Crazy. that power he from his amazing. lower legs it's
0: he's no jumbo, jumbo.
1: He, yeah just yeah, stand yeah. next to jumbo he'll he'll look very svelte um or don't stand next to jumbo Diaz and don't share off his plate um I
0: mean, that's uh, it's baseball and golf it's the two sports where you can uh you know, appear to be doing something very physical. well, you know, let's not count football for a second. Those, those linebackers, that's a different game, but those linemen, yeah. So yeah, Jose
1: De Leon, I think he's going to be really good. I think he's not as exciting, um, but that's, he's also uh, at number 38. So I think he's one of those guys where he is really exciting for any team. Um, but then we have guys like Willie Adamas and Brett Honeywell. And so it's easy. Like that spotlight is so hard to steal. I think Jose De Leon is going to really excite some people and surprise some people when he comes up. Um, It won't surprise baseball America because they've been high on him for a while. And I think for really good reason. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think he's a guy that gets forgotten about, at least from our fans, just because uh, I think it's pretty easy because we haven't had him. He's new to us and, uh, we haven't really seen what he can do yet for us, but we have seen if you, if you watch him with the Dodgers and the minor leagues, uh, there's a lot to like. So I think we're going to see him soon enough. Um, okay. So let's get two guys that we've had. Um, they've been neck and neck kind of for a while. I actually, uh, like one quite a bit more than the other, but I think, um, both are, are really exciting hitting prospects. Yeah, and that's uh, Jake Bowers and Casey Gillespie. One, a former first-round pick from the Rays. The other, one of the uh, the big pieces, key pieces in the Will Myers trade. So,
0: right, um, that Will Myers piece was Jake Bowers. Jake Bowers is ranked sixty-four. Casey Gillespie is ranked sixty-nine, which is nice.
1: They they both uh, improved their stocks slightly. Um, Bowers was number seventy, and Gillespie number seventy-four. So they've just gone up. You know, just a little bit. Um, you mentioned in the when we were talking about Willie Adams, Bowers it, has been young for his age the entire way. He was twenty years old uh, in Double A, and he didn't miss a beat after that promotion. He walks a ton. He has amazing batter's eye. He is um, uh, he is one of my absolute favorite hitting prospects uh in baseball because of the fact that he does have he he gets discounted because of his uh power um he Mm -hmm. doesn't have a ton of power especially because he came up as a first baseman now he's kind of transitioning to corner outfield both of which are power um positions he doesn't have a ton of game power he does have good raw power but he what he what he makes up for is just being a really 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 good hitter he's just You know, and that's that's a rarity. You know, having a guy that can hit with a ton of power like Joey Gallo is exciting, Um, but being a guy that can—he's hit every every level. (laughs) Yeah, you know. So in when he was uh, just a teenager, he hit had a WRC plus of 102 with the Padres in rookie ball, then 128. In A ball, then 142 with the Rays in High A ball. Then in Double A, getting a promotion as a teenager still, or, or just past teenager, he'd still hit 105. Then the next year, in 2016, in Double A, his first full year in Double A, he has a WRC plus of 132. This year, he's still he's now in Triple A in Durham, another level above, still just 21 years old, and he has a WRC plus of 100. He started off a little slow, but he's still. He, he just hits, he hits, he hits, he hits. Um, that, there's something to that. you know It may not be the most flashy, but he walks, he, he lays off tough pitches, he finds pitches he can hit. And as we saw in spring training, he can really put on a
0: show. Hmm. It's interesting. The more eyeballs get on him, I think the more evaluators will be happy with Jake Bowers' defense. He's an athlete, and good athletes just figure it out. I think that's just a blanket rule that you can apply across the prospect spectrum. If you are a good athlete and you are still in the minors, you can figure out a new position. You know, with relative, uh, you know, it, it, it takes hard work. I'm not trying to poo-poo uh, a position adjustment. You know, our friends over at Baseball Prospectus, when they saw early Jake Bowers, they bailed. They were like, "Look, this outfield transition thing is not for him. Look at him in the Arizona Fall; like this is not going well." And the Rays are like, no, we're happy with him because he's going all out and he's doing the work and he's going to come around. And lo and behold, now he has. Uh, It used to say first base slash outfield. Now it's outfield slash first base. And I think that's a testament to who Jake Bowers is. I'm not just talking about on Baseball America. I think as a profile, he is now growing into being an outfielder. And it'll be interesting to see uh, if and when he forces the Rays' hand. You know, he's young, still, 21. You know, is he going to be able to force out Steven Souza? Probably not. You know, Sousa is a very successful major league player right now. But, uh, you know, Jake Bowers is on his way. Also on his way, Casey Gillespie, a little older, because when the Rays drafted him, he was the best college hitter available. And uh, it seemed like a, a strategy that had not really paid for them in general. But now it kind of is. He's uh, able to hit from both sides. He looks like a solid first baseman. I don't have any negative connotations or feedback on him in general. Uh, he's a top 100 prospect at this time, and it's just a matter of can you make that transla- translation up to the show. He's blocked, you know, sincerely right now by Logan Morrison and Ricky Weeks. If uh, the Rays pull the shoot on Ricky Weeks and they and they get out of that situation where he's a great team leader but it's not really working out, uh, at the plate, it's possible that they could bring Casey up, but right now I still think they're going to ride that wave and you know at least wait until the All Star break. I'm I'm really excited for both Flowers and Glaspie I don't think we're seeing either of them anytime soon, though.
1: No, and that and that's fair. That's fine. We're they're coming and they're very young still. So it, it's you know you kind of want to get to you know see these shiny toys get to play. Uh, soon, but yeah, they their their, um, their development has been really exciting. Gillespie um, he is a kind of different side of the coin. a good hitter, um, but really good raw power uh, and game power. he's he's hit a lot more home runs, so more traditional um, first base profile. Um, not, I don't think I think bowers is the is the better hitter overall, um, which is why he's ranked a little bit higher, but I can see why these guys are constantly, um, together, basically, they're they're so close in our prospect, our team prospect rankings as well as Baseball America's top 100 because there's a lot to like from both of them. They're both uh, really exciting hitting prospects. Um, so, not much to say that hasn't been said on both of those guys. I want to. We're going to finish the show with a guy who just cracked the baseball uh, Baseball America top 100. He was not ranked, but he was a guy that we all were saying. Watch out for him. He is going to be shooting up the boards. He breaks in at number 96 on the Baseball America boards. He will not stop at 96. He has got a rocket ship straight to top 50, uh, at least in my opinion. Um,
0: and that is but it's not helium. One of, one, of the, one of the things about seeing a guy's rocketing up the boards is uh, if you call someone a helium prospect, it kind of has a little bit of a negative connotation. Like, oh, this kid has hype, but you never know. Like that,
1: that That's why I said rocket ship and not helium uh, uh, yeah, yeah. balloon. Because he, it's legit fuel. It is legit fuel. But, uh, I know, I totally know what you mean, though.
0: I mean, so, I mean, it's a high ceiling for him. And I couldn't be happier that Hazy Sanchez is breaking into the top 100. Uh, I mean, so he's let's, a let's grinder.
1: Just, let's level set. He is, Hazel uh, yeah. Sanchez is uh, 19 years old. He yeah. is, um, He's so he's so young and so talented. He is a guy that came uh, came to the Rays, uh, very very young from uh, the Dominican Republic. He's one of a uh, couple of uh, exciting international prospects that the Rays got. Came over at 17, and um, yeah, so so kind of take it away. Uh, tell us sort of about the profile of um, Jesus Sanchez, a 19 year old who is legitimately. Going to uh, make a name for himself and a name that everybody should remember, uh, because you'll know. I, I heard about him now before he's on uh, the tip of everybody else's tongues uh, in a couple years.
0: I mean, one of the most exciting things about him is, uh, honestly, it's his makeup. It, it's uh, he is a complete player. He's still growing, and I think that's important. Not just like growing into his. Frame, but growing just as as a baseball player in general. So I don't want to give this idea that he's a finished product. He is ninety six on the top one hundred. He's not next to Willie Adamas or anything. Uh, but he is that grinder guy that has the plus outfield tools, has an incredible arm, and is still beefing up. That he is blossoming into the exact you know imprint. If you could build what an outfielder looks like, and said, I need to just create this thing. He's on his way, and it's fantastic. And it's that makeup that elevates him uh, and brings all those other tools up to a new level. The rising tide that brings all the boats up is his makeup. He, by all accounts, he is a good player, and he is a poorly kept secret in the prospect world, and now the cat's out of the bag if he's in the top 100.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, just, I'm just going to rattle off again. I mentioned um, Bowers. Uh, he's hit everywhere. Uh, so Sanchez has been in the minors with the Rays for three seasons. He is 19 uh-huh. years old. He started at 17 years old at 17 years old. Uh, I just, God, I can, it's just <laughs> when they're talking about baseball players, imagine where you were at 17 years old. And I, I can pretty much blanketly state this, no offense to anybody listening, but I, I, Guarantee you, I, from just speaking for myself, at 17 years old, I was a complete uh, dweeb, and I would definitely not be able to handle the pressure of coming in, hanging out with a whole bunch of grown-ass adults, and trying to beat them. You're trying to basically take their jobs. And Mm -hmm. you are a teenager. You're a punk teen, and you are coming in. I would be so intimidated. Uh, So, yeah, he comes in. Seventeen years old, he has a WRC plus of one forty three. Next year, eighteen years old, WRC plus of one seventy, and then one fifty three. He just kind of working his way up the short season um, uh, teams. This uh, this year with single A, he's at one twenty WRC plus. He not only hits everywhere, he's hitting everywhere incredibly well. And he's again, just let me underline it, he's nineteen. Years old. He's six three. He's two ten. He's basically the the perfect. Uh, like you said, he's he is exactly what prospect um, or he's what uh, scouts kind of. That is the the prototype. If they just had to sketch one uh, blankly, it would be a kid who just hits this well, who is this perfect size, who, who also plays defense well. hmm. Um. So Jesus Sanchez. I mean, he's he's still very young. Like, like, like you said, we, we, you know, don't expect him anytime soon. Um, But already he's, he's kind of, we, we, we talked, we started this out talking about Willie Adamas. I don't, I, I I mean, Danny, do you think this is, Jesus Sanchez has a similar potential legit rise to him that could be like Willie Adamas go from the 30th ranked prospect at 17 years old in the Detroit Tigers uh, system to being the seventh best prospect in all of baseball.
0: Mm, that's a tall order. Um, but I do think he's that kind of guy who could sneak through. Um, you know, the one of the most frustrating things about these top prospect lists is they still don't catch everybody. Ben Zobrist is one of the best players in Tampa Bay history. How much time did Ben Zobrist spend at the top of the you know top 100? So it's hard for me to sit here and think, You know, where exactly is he going to land? Is he going to hit the top 50? I think he could be close. And I think at this point you would be happy about it because Jesus Sanchez is a good player, but he's not in high A yet. You know, you wonder how much he's capable of. Um, I do think he could be or possibly has a higher ceiling than Jake Bowers does already because Jake Bowers is a little bit of that You don't know what he's going to be, and he's having to become something else at the AAA level to find his way. And like I said, good athletes, they find a way. Jesus Sanchez, it's more like this, uh, you're building from the ground up exactly what he should be, Uh, that good body, uh, that projectability of saying this is a guy who's going to be able to continue to be a great outfielder. But one of the more interesting things is uh, when I say the, the ideal outfielder, I also mean that raw power that you want that bat control that you want from a corner outfielder to say this guy's going to carry himself through the minors. Uh, So where does he land? 30? If he lands at 30 on the prospect list before he breaks into the majors, I'll be happy. Um, I think it'd be hard for him to break into the top 20 just because the outfielders who do are going to be guys like Victor Robles, uh, who who we talked about as being... Uh, one of those national stars, so it's a mixed bag. I don't, I don't think he's going to get the same attention that he would if, the, if Jesus Sanchez was a Red Sox prospect. Let's 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 take a, <laughs> a pause and talk about this. Guaranteed top twenty placement.
1: Uh, yeah, if or a Yankees prospect
0: or Cubs right
1: now. Yep, absolutely.
0: You know, I. And that's just the way the game is played. I think Baseball America is a little more reasonable about it. I think Jesus Sanchez is a more ideal prospect than Jake Bowers. Uh, even though he's at 96, I think I think uh, when you're prospect dreaming about ceilings, I think Sanchez is that kind of guy. So we'll see. I don't know if he's uh, you know going to ever be cracking the top of the top 100. I'd be very glad if he is. More important to me, though, is what I think he represents – to the Rays, and I think Jesus Sanchez is something special, and it's going to be really, really difficult to see the Rays try to fit in all these prospects between Jesus Sanchez, Justin Williams, uh, Jake Bowers, Steven Padlow, Corey Dickerson, Kevin Padlow, uh, all these guys who are blocked from, you know, a corner infield or center field because center field's job is, you know, quite obviously taken. So, it's a uh, you know it's a tough time to be a prospect in the race system, but uh, six and the top one hundred, you know, in this little mate reset, it's a lot to feel good about. I think uh, this race system, is, you know, and even seeing guys like who promoted, um, Alvarado, Stanek, we're seeing the system pay dividends in ways that have been missing over the last few years, and even if it's uh, run of the mill kind of promotions, Austin Pruitt is kind of has that. Well, that's what a farm system should be doing. It should be giving you a guy like Austin Pruitt. Well, the race system had not been doing that. Uh, it's it's notable that Ryan Stanek was not the first 2013 prospect to make the major leagues for the race. So, you know, it's 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 all improving. And case in point is six in the top 100. I think we should end there.
1: Yeah. So you know, it's a it's a long it's a it's been a very um. <laughs> Uh, far shot from those dark days where the first round draft picks were busting and the Rays really didn't, the, the, cupboard was kind of bare. The cupboard is now overflowing and, uh, there are cats in there eating all the extra covered food, bringing it back. There is it. Um, so, uh, thank you guys for listening to us ramble about the baseball America top 100. Uh, check out more awesome content at draysbay.com. We talk about the baseball America, um, top 100 the six guys there but also check out um, all of our great recaps after each game Uh, especially losses I know those are tough but that's when we write the weirdest stuff so (laughs) come have a laugh and commiserate and then um, don't get too crazy in the comments but feel free to express some frustrations Uh, if you like the show follow us at twitter um, at hit show podcast also send us an email Uh, tell us what you like what you don't like Um, and, uh, if you have any questions, uh, comments, um, or just praise, we like praise, we're human, uh, send us (laughs) emails at podcast, all one word,
0: at gmail.com. You know, we got a very nice email from someone in the UK. Uh, Yes. I don't know if, I don't know if he wants to be name dropped or not, but it was very nice to have even our international audience saying, guys I like what you're doing. Thanks for putting this together. There's not a lot of these. We know, we know there's not a lot of raised podcasts. We appreciate you sticking with us.
1: Absolutely. So yes, uh, definitely big shout out to all our friends internationally. So yay. Thank you guys. That's, it really does mean a lot. That's awesome.
0: Um, Hey, Jesus Sanchez's mom. Thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, (laughs) we, we, your son is amazing. And that means you are probably too. Uh, So, tune in next time where we have more fun ramblings about the rays uh take it easy guys and uh thanks for listening please rate and subscribe on itunes until next time i've been darby robinson
0: i continue to be danny russell (laughs)
1: uh that if that changes that would be weird and uh we will see you next time on the hit show the hit show is produced and engineered by dustin Klingman. Make sure to check out all the newest and latest news about the Rays
0: on draysbay.com.